This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're listening to The Morning Run on BFM 89.9, the business station. 8.35 right now, Wednesday the 24th of August. Every Wednesday, we have the SM Show. Ah, the show where we rant about everything that's working in markets and what's not. And here to rant with me, Julian Ng and Ibrahim Sani. Well, today we're going to be talking about Flowmageddon, which is the uh, phenomenon of massive money flowing out of active funds to passive funds. Jules, what's this all about? So, Flowmageddon was a word that was coined by Russell Kinner, who was the uh, who is the editor of Morningstar. Um, of magazine, I guess, called Fund Investor. And this expressed, as you said, a massive amounts of money that's flowing out of active into passive funds. For example, in 2013, uh, as a comparison, 300 billion of funds went into active funds and 277 went into uh, passive, right? Uh, but fast forward to 2015, about 200, uh, almost 300 billion of funds uh, went into passive and active funds only attracted one-third of that. So this phenomenon is happening. You know, and then the question is, have you ever wondered how well a fund manager does uh, in managing your investments or in our investments, right? Because at the end of the day, um, fund managers like to benchmark themselves against the uh, indices out there, and they like to say that they do better. The question is, are they doing indeed better or worse off, or at the very least, minimum uh, or parity to these indices? When you talk about active, right, right, when you say a fund is actively managed, I think of, you know, fund managers who who do economic research, who listen to market news, who try to predict the market. And then there's the factor of timing, right? So yeah. once they have all this knowledge, then they look at timing and they go, okay, I'm going to act on the timing. I think the market is going to decline. This asset class is going to decline. I'm going to beat the market or hedge my bets or you know sell or buy or whatever, right? So for me, that's what an active fund manager does, trying to read the market. You're, you're saying that most fund managers get the market reading wrong. Well, it, what you're saying can be summarized into one word, which is prediction. Can you predict the future? You and I, we know that we can't predict the future because uh, the future, especially the immediate future, is usually a random event. It makes your bet a kind of exactly what it is, a bet, a wager, and, and a very short-term gamble. So... It so happened that research has shown that uh, when you measure the performance of fund managers to their respective benchmark, the indices, for example, uh, research has shown that on average, fund managers actually do worse than markets, than benchmark, than uh, indices. So the question then becomes, if that is the case, why are we paying so much money to these fund managers to manage our funds when we can just invest cheaply into a kind of index uh, or an, an index fund or an ETF yeah. or, or a benchmark. Because that's the other side of it, right? When you talk about active management, it's also com- it comes with a cost. So every time you are actively engaged in something, you have to pay a cost for that. Whereas passive funds, that's why the costs are so low. Absolutely. So, so Julian, you, you pointed out two timeframes um, in 2013 as well as 2015, right? Uh, in 2015, we saw a big trend where uh, passive funds, um, equity, it, they netted about $300 billion dollars while active funds, they saw a net outflow of $97 billion. Uh, why do you think this is happening? Do you think that the market is wisening up? Well, I think that uh, people have uh, come to realise 
that uh, saving money forms a better part of your returns than actually getting returns because uh, the cost differences are really staggering. Um, when you buy a, an ETF, for example, uh, the cost, the management fee that you pay to the investor managing that particular fund goes around something like 0.05%. <laughs> we call this basis points, mm -hmm. right? Instead of uh, basis points is how, how many percent as a percentage of 1%. So 5% of 1% is 5 basis points. And uh, Vanguard, for example, and John Bogle is somebody that we've interviewed on The Breakfast Grill. He was the creator of, of the so-called index funds. He could give you a fund, he could manage a fund for you for five basis points, for two basis points. Compare that to a fund manager in Malaysia who would charge you 1.5% to 2% a year to manage the fund. On top of that, you would have to pay a sales fee of between 2 3 and 5%. Whereas with the ETFs that are so popular right now, by the way, the latest capitalization of ETFs in the United States Guess how much is that? <clears throat> no idea. I have no idea. That's $3 trillion, right? <laughs> of, of money that has flowed into <laughs> ETFs. Uh, and that is a sign of the increasing acceptability and recognition of the, the kind of cloud that ETFs can have in your investment. So back to the investments in Malaysia, for example, uh, these funds are very expensive. 1.5%, 2% management fee, 3 to 5% for sales fees. Whereas uh, listed ETFs, you can go in just for the price of uh, the kind of online brokerage fee that you pay your online provider. So can you go back to what you said about People want to save money more than they want to make money. Is that so? Is that right? How does that work? Yeah, the research has shown that a big part of the underperformance, the huge underperformance of paid active management, is due to cost. Because you you go in and out and you pay all these fees, right? Uh, that is costly. And costly removes the returns. Now, let's put market returns into perspective. Over the long term, markets return let's say about 8% per annum, okay. right? And, and that's a lot better than your FD that just gives you 3 to 4% per annum. Mm -hmm. Some riskier funds, remember higher risk, higher return, right? Some riskier funds would give you 10% per annum. But just imagine the fund manager charging you in the first year 5% sales fee. That's 5% of your annual returns in the first year. And each year he's charging you to the extent of 20% of your returns every year. He's taking that away. It's compounded interest, right, in the case? It's absolutely compounded. Every year, the fund manager is taking away 25% of the potential returns that you can have. Yeah. And in fact, in that particular year, if you're, gonna, if you're suffering losses for your fund, that fund manager still takes away... Uh, yeah, yeah. Negative twenty twenty percent of your of your returns. So, so it's a it's a compounding losses for that particular year. So costs are really as important as returns uh, for the overall long term return picture of your investments. I'm just thinking. I mean, there is a justification for this cost. There's you know there's time and and money and sweat and blood put into uh, fund managers who spend their lives watching the market, right? Predicting the market. So doesn't that I mean, justify doesn't that cost. justify the yeah, cost? Right? You, you you're mean. paying for somebody's expertise, essentially. So, so, Melissa, let me ask you this question, right? Let me <laughs> ask you guys out there this question. <laughs> Sounds give me, give <laughs> me, um, Give me 100,000 ringgit, okay? I'm going to spend my blood and sweat and time going to Gunting to... <laughs> 
to invest your money. Now, the, the, the fact that there is blood and sweat and tears doesn't justify the, the fees that you're paying to me, right? So it must result in some kind of benefit to you. If ETFs and index funds can give you the same benefits, if not better benefits because they're so cheap, then why the question, that is why this debate has uh, become huge today. What about time frame? So, I mean, if you're talking about outperforming, right, are you looking at, what kind of time frame are you looking at? Maybe maybe fund managers outperform in the short term, sometimes, you know, in the longer term, they might Yeah, uh, yeah do, the moment you stretch out. Yeah, yeah, you do poorly compared to ETFs. So, when you look at ETFs funds, uh, ETFs as well as index funds, funds, they never sell. They buy stocks and, and hold it uh, forever. So this gives you the kind of confident confidence that once you buy into something, you're really buying into the entire market rather than buying into the personality of the fund manager. If the, the fund manager buys and sells stocks, that means that he believes in the power of prediction. Uh, he also believes in the fact that he can do magic. If you trust that fund manager, then fine. But what if you have no comfort that the fund manager can do that? So the time frame uh, is the factor that produces your returns because over the very long term, economies gain from innovation, from mm. government policy, from the ingenuity of our fellow human beings. So that that's what you want to bet on, not the not exactly not the personality of fund managers. But you know that's that's still not quite how the market works, right? Because we see, you know, star power fund managers, which we'll be discussing right after this break. So stay tuned right here on the SNM show BFM 89.9. Good morning. You're listening to the SNM show on the morning run. It's now 9.46 a.m. I've got uh, Ibrahim and Julian here with me and we're discussing the advantages and disadvantages of active versus passive investment strategies from active funds to passive mutual funds and passive ETFs. Why? Because simply put, as a group, actively managed funds, after fees have been taken into account, tend to underperform their passive peers. Also, um, it's a lively Wednesday discussion to have <laughs> such a talk. So. And we were talking about the um, kind of star power fund manager, right? Because sometimes you look at a fund manager, you go, well, you know, in the past few years, he's been performing really well. He's been making lots of money. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest with him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or but, her. Or her. Yeah, okay, I'm generalizing here. <laughs> but um, whether that is in fact the way we should be thinking about our investments because sometimes star power is not enough, right? Th there's also that, that element of uh, robo-financing or robotech, right? That The thing that the fintech industry is now harping on. So it's not just about these star-studded, glamorous fund managers or even these little, you know, uh, small fund managing houses it's also that robo-advisors that we have to contend with. So yeah, which you, one works best? I, I think robo is <clears throat> a very apt way of analogizing this whole situation because robo, as the name implies, are robots, right? Mm. So robots have no emotion. The moment you put something into a robo, they invest uh, like a machine, literally. Uh, they don't think about... Uh, what they feel uh, the future is going to hold. They don't think about what their personal thoughts on interest rates are going to be. They just invest according to what you have specified as your risk preference, as your ideal asset allocation, uh, which is the ratio of uh, what you feel is the best mix of safe and risky assets. So they just go purely without, without that. Compare that to a fund manager. Yeah. What I mean, the personality yeah. plays such a big role um, in the investment. So recently, uh, and in fact, this was discussed, uh, this was published in the Edge Weekly, 
this week, um, RHB Asset Management, they experienced uh, apparently some fund, manage- fund managers departing. Yeah, so two, um, so I guess the asset management fraternity quite abuzz with this news that um, two RHB Asset Management uh, officers are set to leave. And because of that, there was a huge uh, panic selling uh, wave, a wave of panic selling in some uh, some stocks. And I remember reading this news, uh, stocks like... Um, uh, United Uli Corp, uh, right. so SLP Resources, Oriental Food, all these stocks, you know, quite not always uh, making headlines. But then I saw that they had seen huge selling the day before, and I was wondering what on earth could be happening. Um, it was quite cryptic the way the news report had it. It's, you know, oh, an asset manager, uh, this, you know, had left or something like that. There was yeah. there was concern among investors that they they would. Uh, Rejig their portfolio. Yeah, with this, but again, this is just sentiment, right? They're not, they're not officially rejigging it or, or, or you know, made just, a statement. Just worry, just, they're just worried. Yeah, they're so just worried this is a perception. So this perception has sparked this kind of panic selling across the board. I don't know whether, say, robo advisors would react to these kind of things. But, uh, well, you, if gosh. you if you look at, um, <clears throat> I mean, there is a saying that the market is always right, whether it's sentiment or whether it's based on what you think is some more tangible reasoning as to why something is happening. The the fact is that this materialized itself, your feeling and your thinking materialized themselves in prices. Prices did crash. You look at, uh, for example, SLP resources mm-hmm. came down. 23% Oriental Food created about 30% Pestec came down 19% Bajaya Food came down over 40, 40%. Wow. And look at and this is one one of the hallmarks of active management, right? Uh, the difference between active and passive management is that passive is totally diversif- diversified. If you look at a fund like the Vanguard Emerging Market Fund for example, they hold almost 800 stocks in that uh, ETF because the ETF and the index itself monitors 800 overstocks. So they they replicate the index. But look at uh, the fund holdings of RHB Asset Management, and this data is coming from the Edge Weekly as well as uh, from Bloomberg. Uh, For example, look at the concentrated bets. RHB Asset Management holds 34% stake in ES Ceramics. So, so much of the fortunes of the fund is tied to one stock. And if that one stock tanks, uh, which it, it has in this case, then the entire fund gets uh, also jeopardized. Uh, the other big holding is, of course, United Uli Corporation, which came down 10% and RHB, RHB holds um, 11 to 12% of this company. So this is a case of very highly concentrated yeah. uh, bets, uh, which is a practice of active funds compared to very diversified holdings of passive funds. Okay, I, I see your point. Using this case, I kind of see your point in action. But, you know, fundamentally, there's something that feels like it doesn't jive to me when you talk about passive investing, right? In a market, in a capitalist market, something feels very wrong if you just take a back seat, you sit down and let the economy run without you. That's not capitalism. That's not how the markets work. Letting some, like letting it kind of pass you by and doing the work for you doesn't feel like it's capitalist to me. But doesn't it boil down to some kind of bread and butter issue? Because if you get savings and if you get uh, pretty decent returns that's coming from the market 
isn't that good enough for you? Rather than saying that you have to support the idea of active management because that conforms to ideas of capitalism and resource allocation, which, by the way, is uh, something that uh, this research house wrote uh, called Sanford and Bernstein Company LLC. They wrote something about how passive investing is like Marxism, right? Because <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't give you that activity that is needed for uh, good resource allocation. Do you, do you think that, you know, I guess in the past few years when you cited those numbers about uh, funds moving from active to passive, you know, when we talk about disrupt the disruptive quality of fintech, do you think that now passive investing has disrupted active investing and that could be on the decline and passive is the way forward? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think that people are waking up to the fact that uh, they, as, especially normal people like us who don't have tens of millions or even billions of uh, dollars to, to play around pay, with. Yeah. I mean, active active management will still be here to stay because there are very many rich people around and people who still have faith in the philosophy of active management, uh, they will still be around. I, I don't think but they will die. But how long though? How long do you think that will last? You know, the people who have faith over humans versus I'm just going to get a robot to manage my... Well, Warren business. Buffett said that uh, when he dies, he wants all his money to go into an ETF, not not to a hedge fund manager, right? Playing around with his money. But that will never so happen, I, I, I don't right? Know, I don't know dies. how long it will last. So anyway, he will live forever. <laughs> yes, uh, but the thing is, people put so much importance on these indices, right? Uh, uh, the S and P five hundred, the MSCI World uh, Index, the FBMKLCI back home. Every time we talk about the markets, we refer to these benchmarks. It somehow underlines the fact that the indices are such an important feature of how the market is growing. If we put so much importance in this, I think yes, while active investments are here to stay. But people are less interested in that in terms of trying to find uh, value from their investment. They will, no matter what, focus back on this uh, 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 yeah. ref reference you point, know, if I, I want to call it. I personally don't think that it's an either-or situation. I don't think it has to be one or the other, right? That, you know, maybe you can do a little bit of both. The, 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 my main takeaway is just do your homework, right? Find out, because not all fund managers are, e are created equal. Not everyone charges the same amount so of So you're, you're subscribing to the idea of a star fund manager? You, you I, want to put I your have face. to say, I, I would trust a human over a robot any day. I would. Uh, but really? I Yeah. But then... The human complains. They fall sick. They uh, have, that's they're true. moody. That's true. But, but a, then a robot the doesn't need to take tea right? breaks. The intangibles, they can read between the lines. They can talk to people, the relationships they make. Um, however, coming back to that point, Jules, where you said cost is always a consideration. So at the mm -hmm. end of the day, no matter how good the fund manager is, the cost will always be my consideration. Yeah. I think there is uh, some degree of human element in passiveness as well because trying to construct an index, a market index, is a full-time job. And um, companies like uh, Morgan Stanley M with MSCI, right. uh, FTSE with the FTSE indices, uh, people from S&P, they spend a lot of time trying to construct uh, what they think is a representative index to represent the economy. And when you come to a point in time where you feel that certain stocks don't represent the economy uh, anymore you then remove that stocks and and that's and, why and that alone is a big news every that's time it right, happens that right there are these constant changes to the index to make the index a lot more reflective of what's happening
Okay, well, unfortunately, we've run out of time from our ranting. <laughs> it's now 6.56. You've been listening to the SNM show with me, Melissa Idris, also Ibrahim Sani and Julian Ng. We've got the news bulletin coming up shortly, so stay tuned for that. BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.